Welcome to the She Connects podcast. My name is Susan Vandenhubel, and I am honored to be your host each and every week. This is an extension of my ministry, She Rises, that allows me to connect with women in the online space. You can learn more about me and my ministry at www.sherisesmn.org or simply tap the link in the show notes. But for now, let's dive into this week's episode. Well, hello, ladies. Welcome back to the show. This is a very special episode because I'm I'm about to celebrate something very significant in my life, and that's what this episode is really focusing on. The title, uh, as you've already seen, is Jesus Rescued Me. And before I dive into that, I want to ask you, do you have a life verse? Because I don't know. I mean, I know so many people do. And, you know, I've been serving the Lord for over 30 years now. And I have to say, I don't think I have ever had a life verse. And it's, <laughs> I don't know why. It's kind of crazy to me, I guess. I I don't know. I mean, I, I know the Bible well. I've been studying it, like I said, for a long time now. And there's definitely passages of scripture, promises of God, and specific verses that I've leaned on and stood upon, really laid a hold of, things that I would say, ooh, I really like that, or oh, that really encourages me in my faith. And so I've been definitely on that side of scripture as it applies to me personally, but I don't know that I can say I have ever had a life verse. But as I was preparing for this week's episode, I've been thinking about that. And so I think I would have to say, My life verse is Psalm 66, verse 16. Come in here and I will tell you what the Lord has done for me. And I think that that's really the heartbeat behind this episode because, like I said, I'm coming up on a very important anniversary that I celebrate every single year. 31 years ago, on February 11th, I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior It's a day I've celebrated every year because it's the day that Jesus rescued me. The devil thought that he had me, but Jesus rescued me. I want to read you a letter that I wrote to younger me, and it goes like this. 18. Wow, you've already lived so much life, and you've only just graduated from high school. I want you to know that God created you in his image. You, younger me, are incredibly loved already without having to earn it. You are not the mistakes you have made. You are not the labels people have put on you or the ones you've put on yourself. You are worth fighting for. I know your trust has been broken, but in a few years, you will meet someone who loves you from a loyal heart. I know the word love doesn't carry much weight for you now, and you struggle to understand what it means to be loved. The love this someone has for you is pure, right, isn't manipulative, won't mislead you or take advantage of you. I know your heart carries pain from rejection, but in a few years, you will meet someone who accepted you, even with the many flaws you see in yourself. I know there is an ache in your soul to feel wanted and seen, to know that you belong. One day soon, you will meet someone who has wanted you from the very beginning and knew you while you were still in the safety of your mother's womb. That someone has a name. His name is Jesus. He will take you by your hand and never let go of you, ever. 
Someday you will be 54. Look back with a grateful heart and know with complete confidence your best days are ahead. Here's to you, younger me. You're going to make it. The process of being set free from all you've been secretly carrying will not be easy, but trust me, it will be worth it. Don't quit. Don't give up. I know you will want to countless times because it seems too hard, too daunting of a road to travel. Jesus will be so committed to you. Commitment will take on a whole new meaning for you. He will show himself so committed that on the days you feel you cannot put one foot in front of the other to keep walking on the road toward healing, Jesus will scoop you up, carry you if he has to, but he won't abandon you. One day you will be 54 and feel free to celebrate you, your life, and your future because you are a daughter of the King. Love you, kid. Older you. So that's a letter I wrote to younger me, looking back, that I would say to younger me. And as it said in the beginning of that letter, 18, soon you'll meet someone. Well, that, like I said in that letter, someone has a name. His name is Jesus. And so, you know, shortly after that, in my early 20s, I, you know, I'm fast forward a few years, early 20s. I'm newly married. I'm a young mom. And we were struggling. Uh, we were struggling financially. We had a lot of tension in our home. My marriage was strained. It wasn't healthy. I was incredibly broken. I was carrying a lot. I was carrying a lot of unhealed wounds, a lot of baggage. I had walls around my heart because of some of the, just the life that I had been living up to that point. And so I started confiding in in my mother-in-law of all people and she she and my father-in-law who is my father-in-law has has since gone home to be with the Lord I want to say 25 years ago now but they just really brought me in and welcomed me and really invited me to be a part of their family I felt so loved by them and even though I didn't really I don't know I didn't let my guard down I didn't let my walls down it like it touched me and it felt different to me. But anyway, I, I was started confiding in my mother-in-law just some of the struggles that we were having. And she uh you know, she was a born-again, spirit-filled Christian. She was attending church, she was going to Bible study every Tuesday morning, and and so she was sharing her faith with me every time I would open up and share a little bit with her some of the struggles that we were having in our home, in my marriage, in our family, she would share, she would share the gospel with me. She would share about the importance of, you know, accepting Jesus as your savior, um, the importance of going to church. And she kept inviting me to this women's Bible study. And I remember inside, even though I loved her so much inside, I felt like I would silently let out this big sigh and I would internally roll my eyes thinking, uh, don't you have something else to say? Don't you have something else to offer? I feel like you are on a one track mind here. And it would drive me crazy because I felt like I had real problems and I needed real solutions. I need real answers. Little did I know that she was sharing with me 
the solution, the answer, Jesus Christ. And so eventually, I I think that she eventually just kind of broke me down and I agreed to attend this women's Bible study. And I would say, if I'm going to be honest, I did it out of sheer people pleasing because I didn't want to disappoint her. I didn't want to let her down. And probably there was a little bit of, oh, I just want to I just want to shut you up. I just want to get you off my back. Fine. I'll go this one time and she'll probably never ask me again. Well, she kept asking me week after week after week. And, you know, I just, again, I didn't want to disappoint her. I didn't want to let her down. And so every Tuesday morning, I would go to this Bible study with her and I was unwilling. I was unwilling to go there. I was resentful for being there. I had a lot of unresolved anger and all of that baggage that I was carrying. I brought that with me to to the Bible study. It sat with me around that table of other women that were there 10 to 12 faithful, beautiful women of God who met every Tuesday morning at nine o'clock from all different denominations. There were Baptists there. There were non-denominational, Pentecostal, charismatic. There were Lutheran. It was just this beautiful unity gathered around that table that just people, women who just loved Jesus. And I remember very clearly one Tuesday morning, I had had it. Because remember, you know, if 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 we don't allow Jesus into our hearts, especially into, even after we're born again Christians, if we don't allow him full access to every place in our heart, whatever we are still carrying, whatever we are still walling off and not letting Jesus access to, those unhealed areas of our heart, we carry that with us into every relationship that we have, into Bible studies, into the churches that we attend, into our marriages. It affects every single area of our life. And so this one particular Tuesday, and I had been attending you know, several weeks up to this point, but On this particular Tuesday, I don't know, like that unresolved anger, it just came out of me and it was not pretty. I was so irritated. And, you know, she had been the Bible study teacher. She had been teaching out of the book of Mark. And I remember I just exploded at her and so rudely, so Oh man, I was, it was so ugly. I just exploded and I said, Who is Mark and why do we keep talking about him? And I just kind of let into her and the silence in that room, I think that you could have heard a pin drop. And the thing that happened though is what really began the change in the whole trajectory of my life because. Even though I let her have it and I was so rude, so disrespectful, every single person seated around that table really could have given back to me everything that I had dished out. And they would have been warranted in that. I could have received criticism and I should have been and probably could have been asked to leave. You know, you're not welcome here if you're going to talk like that, if you're going to treat this the Bible study like that, if you're going to treat us like that, if you're going to be like that in my home. You know what? That kind of attitude, that kind of disrespect, that kind of anger, that kind of outburst is not welcome here. But here's the thing. Not one of them responded to me like that. My mother-in-law 
She didn't act embarrassed to be seen with me. She didn't act like, oh man, let's let's get out of here because it's really my fault that Susan is here. And so she didn't even feel a sense of responsibility in in the degree of, oh man, what have I done? I've brought her here and now look at what happened. No one treated me like that. No one treated me like that. Instead, They loved me right where I was at. And the Bible study teacher just politely closed the book that she was teaching out of. And she just loved me. She began to explain to me who Mark was and and just really began to engage me where I was. And I didn't know what to do with that. I didn't know how to respond. I I was expecting them to argue with me to fight back. To be honest, I was there for it. I was ready for an argument. I was ready to go. I was ready to go toe to toe. I was, I was ready. And yet when they responded the way they did, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to respond. And it kind of set me back a a little bit. And that is what led me to accept an invitation to the Bible study teacher's home. She invited me. So she answered a few questions at that table on that Tuesday morning. And then she invited me to come to her home with with any further questions that I had. And she would take the time to answer them. And for some reason, at the time, I... Uh, of course, now I know that it was it was the Lord and it was His Holy Spirit drawing me to to Jesus. Of course, I didn't understand that at the time, but for some reason, I accepted that invitation. I don't know why I did at the time. I didn't know why I was, you know, writing out these questions. I didn't know why I was getting in my car and driving across town to her home. I didn't know what I was doing. I, I just it felt so awkward and so foreign to me. And so, as I said, here I am seated there in her home, early 20s, a young mom, newly married. I had lived a lot of life by then. You know, I had done a lot of things that I couldn't undo, said a lot of things that I couldn't take back, been a lot of places that I really had no business being, experienced a lot of things in my life that I would say not one person deserves having experienced, which led to a lot of self-destructive behaviors and looking for love in all the wrong places. I tried to outrun my past, but I just simply couldn't. I never could outrun my past. I felt unloved, unwanted, and really unworthy of being loved, unworthy of being wanted even though there was a deep craving, a deep longing and a desire to be loved and to feel like I belonged and to feel like I was wanted. And can we just say, praise the Lord, that no one is too messy or too broken for Jesus. Hallelujah, right? Hallelujah. And so I sat there I sat there around her kitchen table and I didn't just show up with a, a scrap scrap paper, a little like a little like post-it note type of questions. No, no, no. I I remember thinking, all right, lady, if you want me to come with my questions, I'm gonna come with every single one of them and I'm gonna come with the hard questions. And so I showed up with a notebook sheet of questions, like on both sides, front and back. And she politely and kindly took the time to hear me out on every single one of those questions. And she answered every single one of them. And then she asked me, Susan, do you want to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior? And so I did. 
I did right there, seated around that small kitchen table. There were no like flashing lights. There was no fanfare. I mean, the aesthetics were, you know, weren't all that great. It was like not well lighted, nothing fancy, but I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, February 11th, 1993. And, you know, it reminds me of the parable of the prodigal son found in Luke's gospel, chapter 15, in verse 11 through uh, 24. It says, then he said, and he being Jesus, a certain man had two sons and the younger of them said to his father, father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after the young son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. I was someone living in prodigal, uh, just a prodigal lifestyle. But when he spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land and he began to want Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into the fields to feed swine. He would have gladly filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. Verse 17, but when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare, and yet I perish in hunger. I will arise to go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. Verse 20, he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight and am no longer worthy to be called your son. Verse 22, but the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf here and kill it, and let us eat and be merry, for my son was dead and is alive again. This parable has a few different people in it, but the main focus is really on the response of the father. It's the father's reaction that I think stands out to us. And if we were watching this unfold in real time, I think each of us would be on the edge of our seats and our eye would be watching to see how the father was going to respond. In our minds, if we can shift our focus from the father in this story to God the father, because this parable is really about the goodness and the mercy of God himself. Along with that, if we can replace the son in this parable and place our names in there, because really it's everyone's story. It's my story. It's your story. It's everyone's story on the face of the planet. It's Billy Graham's story. It's Reinhard Bonnke's, the great evangelist. It's his story. It's everybody's story. Why? Because each of us have done and said things that we later wished we hadn't. Each of us have sinned and grieved the heart of God. We at some point have thought that we knew best what we wanted and how we're going to get there. Then sooner or later, we come to ourselves, we look around and we wonder, how on earth did I get here? 
How on earth did I get in this situation? How did this happen? This isn't what I thought my life was going to look like. Thoughts of shame, condemnation, and regret fill our hearts and our thoughts. We want to leave this place, but those thoughts of what I have done seem to grip our hearts and paralyze us from moving forward. We convince ourselves that as much as we want to move forward from that place toward a loving God, we're not sure if he'll welcome us. How will this look? Will he welcome us with a pointed finger? Will we be received with closed arms? Will he scold me? Will his love for me have changed because after all, I have made a terrible mess out of my life? If we can continue to flip the script in our minds that while we may regret what we've done that got us into this situation, we don't have to live there. It may be where we started, but it doesn't have to be where we finish. I'm so grateful. Like I said earlier, the devil thought that he had me, but Jesus rescued me. Man, he loved me right where he found me, right where I was, right where I was. But I am so grateful. 31 years, I'm so grateful that, yeah, he loved me right where I was, but he loved me enough to not leave me there. Can we just insert hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, that that is who you are. We can learn from our mistakes. We can grow from them. It requires us to be like the prodigal son in the parable and admit that we have been wrong, then move toward a loving father. This God who is not standing with a pointed finger, with crossed arms or a scolding lecture, but with everlasting arms stretched wide waiting for us. He is actually waiting for us to come to him. Man, think about that. Remember in the parable we read that while the son was a long way off, the father ran to the son. God is always ready to forgive. He comes to meet us and he wants to rid us of the burden of sin. We just have to be willing to return. We have to be like the prodigal son in this parable and say, you know what? I'm going to leave this place and return to the Father. Oh, man, I'm so grateful. Like I said earlier, so grateful that none of us, no one is too messy. No one is too broken. That Jesus Christ can't rescue us. Salvation is God's grace given to us that saves us from the penalty of our sin. We as sinful people, we needed a Savior God knew the only way for us to have a relationship with him was to send his one and only son. All of us fall short of the glory of God. Every single one of us, every single one of us are born into this world with a sinful nature and we need a savior. John 3.16 reads, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever would believe in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Romans 5, 8 says, God demonstrated his love for us in this way that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Isn't that beautiful? Think about that. Think about that. That while Jesus was going to the cross, while he was being beaten, while he was being whipped, while he was being blossomed and just spit upon, man, He was thinking about you. 
he was thinking about me. While he was taking steps toward the cross, even though he knew what was before him, he knew all things. The Bible says that for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. It was my cross. It was your cross. And yet he went. He went because he was thinking about you. He was thinking about me. He was thinking about every single person on the face of the planet. And it was his love for you and for me that compelled him to continue to endure every single whip, every single slap, every single beating, every single step toward that cross, the nails that were pounded into his hands and into his feet. It's his love. It's his love for you, his eye, his thought upon you, that he saw you and he saw me with an eternal eye. Our God stepped out of heaven and took upon himself the sin of his people. He died on a cross, was buried in a tomb, and three days later was raised fully alive. Man, Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 and 9 tells us, For it is by God's grace we have been saved through faith and this not of ourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. Salvation is a very real and life-changing decision, and at the same time it can be hard to fully understand because it isn't anything we can earn or achieve ourselves. Not one of us can be good enough or do enough good deeds to deserve, earn, or achieve it. And you know what? If we're honest, in our humanness, it kind of makes our heads go tilt, 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 because we have a works mindset. We learn and we understand in this world that if we're going to have anything in our lives, if we're going to earn or achieve, we're going to have to work for it. We're going to have to put in the work. We're going to have to put in the effort. We're going to have to check all of the boxes. We're going to have to do all of the things to have what we say that we want. And yet that's not how salvation is. It is a gift given to us that we have to receive freely. We have to receive it by faith and it's found in Jesus Christ. And there's not one of us that can be good enough to earn it, to deserve it or to achieve it. And this is where we begin to understand the nature of God's character and his immense love for every single one of us, that he would go to such lengths to have a relationship with every single one of us, you and me, and all of us were created with a free will a free will to make choices. And one of the amazing things about God is that he won't strong arm us, trick us, or manipulate us into making decisions. His desire is that we exercise the free will we have been created to choose him, to accept his grace and gift of salvation through Jesus Christ. Man, and so that's what I did. That's what I did February 11th, 1993. I exercised my free will to accept Jesus. Did I fully understand in my human mind? No, I didn't. Even though that beautiful, <laughs> that beautiful woman of God spent all of that time answering my questions, which I'm forever grateful for, I, I know that there was still a part of me that didn't fully grasp this. Like, how can it be? How can it be someone like me? 
a sinner, a wretched sinner like me could be forgiven, could enter into a relationship with this holy, righteous God, that he would want a relationship with someone like me, someone like me. Wow. And yet it was true. It was true. And, you know, here's the, here's the thing. So I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And when I got in my car and drove back to my house, yeah, I went back to all of the same problems, all of the all of the tension, all of the the strife, all of the financial problems, the strain in my marriage, all of those things. Yes, they were still there, but you know what? While those things hadn't changed, I was changing because I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior. And there was a peace that I cannot explain that washed over me, the shalom peace of God that rested on the inside of me that I could not explain. I could not explain away. It made no sense. And you know what? It was because of God and my faith in him. And he was with me. He was with me every step that I took. And I kept attending that women's Bible study. I plugged in to that women's Bible study because I was hungry to want to know more. And it was in that Bible study that I became discipled. I was discipled, positioning myself, learning and growing. And I just remember being like this sponge. I just wanted to learn more. I wanted to learn more and grow in my understanding of who this Jesus was. And it was posturing myself in that Bible study and then beginning to attend Bible study and um every single every single week and then attending church getting plugged into church a community of believers faith filled people where there was a oneness in the spirit and a like mindedness in faith and i began to see things change in my home and in my marriage and god walked with me every step of the way he walked with me and it was because of him that things began to change and that healing began to take place in my marriage. Forgiveness and grace and love was extended and offered in our home. Was it easy? Absolutely not. Did I have to go through a refining process of, you know, that it was no longer going to be Susan's plan and Susan's agenda and the way that I think Susan needed it to work and how I think that it should go and all the things that I felt God should do and, and, you know, all of that. Yes, absolutely. There was definitely a refining process. And that's a conversation in episode four another time. But I'll tell you something, even in the hard, even in the valley, even in the dark nights of my soul of trying to work this out and and really being in the refiner's fire, God never left me. He never removed his love for me. He never abandoned me. He never walked out on me. He was exactly like I wrote in that letter to younger me. He took me by the hand and he walked with me. Even on days that I wanted to quit, even on days that I felt like this is just too hard. He stood with me. He never once removed his love from me. He never once changed his mind about me. And this God that I'm talking about, he's the same God in your life 
It's no different. He doesn't change who he is. He's not a chameleon changing his colors, changing his spots in the life of one person and in the life of another. He is consistent every single day. And so while things may be changing in this world, and that is one thing that we can be assured of, is that things in this world change relationships change, our jobs change, and there's just uh, there's just change in this world. And yet when we come to saving faith in Jesus Christ, we we come into a relationship with a God who never ever changes. He promises in the Bible. He says this of himself, I am the one who changes not. I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he is completely trustworthy. He will prove himself trustworthy because that is who he is. All right. So I wanted to end our time together by reading a poem to you that I wrote several years ago, but was just kind of impressed upon my heart to finish and wrap up this week's episode. I actually printed a few copies off because I'm speaking at a women's event here in just a couple of weeks here in February. And so I'm giving them away at that at that event to uh, women who are attending. But I just want to speak this over you. It's titled, She Rises. She rises forgiven because he bore her sin. She rises victoriously because he bore her defeat. She rises loved because he first loved her. She rises chosen because he bore her rejection. She rises fearless because his love is greater. She rises unashamed because he bore her shame. She rises redeemed because he ransomed her. She rises purposeful because he has a plan for her life. She rises unshaken because he said she's more than a conqueror. She rises because he first rose. And I love that last line because everything that we lay a hold of in our faith hinges on what Jesus Christ has provided for you and for me on the cross. He did a complete work and left nothing undone. As we look at the different lines in this poem, we see that each line is really a portion of our identity in Christ. You are forgiven. You are victorious. You are loved. You are chosen. You are fearless. You are unashamed. You are redeemed. You are created with purpose. You can have an unshaken faith. All of those things are a part of who you are in Christ. It's not an exhaustive list, but it's definitely a great portion of your identity in Him. All right. So thank you. Thank you for tuning in this week. Thank you for rejoicing with and for me in that the devil thought that he had me, but Jesus rescued me. Thank you for rejoicing in me that I am celebrating another year of being a born again, spirit filled daughter of the King of Kings. February 11th. It completely changed the trajectory of my life 31 years ago. So thank you. Thank you for rejoicing with me. And uh, I don't know your story. Uh, I don't know your testimony, but you know what? 
that can't prevent me, that doesn't stop me from also rejoicing with and for you and all the things that he has done in your life and the decision that you made to accept him as your Lord and your Savior and all the things that he has changed in your life. I'm rejoicing with you as well. All right, take care. Have a great rest of your week and I will catch you right back here next time. Thank you so much for joining me this week. It was great connecting with you. Hey, would you do me a quick favor that would mean the world to me? Would you go ahead and leave a few stars and a review or even a comment? It not only means so much to me, but in the online space and the podcasting world, the more stars, reviews, and comments that a podcast receives, the further the reach. It ranks up a little bit higher in Google searches, which then results in reaching more women with this amazing content. So if you are blessed and enjoying, you know, just the content that you are hearing here on the podcast, would you go ahead and leave a few stars, a review, and some comments? It means the world to me. Thank you so much, and I'll catch you right back here, same place, same time, next week.